Welcome to Where's My Sports At Basketball Edition, episode 12. Phil, we're into another one, brother. Episode 12, man. Where's it all gone? Absolutely loving it. Time flies when you're having fun and drinking coffee, eh, mate? <laughs> you got it. So I'm just going to run through with all the quarters. Quarter one, we're going to be talking about Hall of Famer Dirk Nowitzki, followed by the history and current Orlando Magic. Then players we can't quit, old school edition. And the final quarter, expansion. Are we ready? Dirk Nowitzki, Hall of Famer, born June 19th, 1978. I think he's a Gemini in the star signs. <laughs> born in West Germany, not in East Germany. He's a West German. Seven foot tall, 245 pounds, massive career. When we go through, and there's a long list of accolades, starting with NBA champion 2011, NBA finals MVP 2011, most valuable player in the NBA 2007, 14-time NBA All-Star from 2002 to 2012, then 2014, 15, and 19, five All-NBA second teams, four All-NBA first teams, and three All-NBA third teams. In 2007, he was one of the members of the 50-40-90 club. That's 50% field goal percentage shooting from within the circle, 40% three-point percentage, and 90% free throw percentage. Blooming good to do that for a season. He's won the NBA three-point contest in 2006, NBA teammate of the year in 2017. I guess that's an accolade, Phil, I assume. I reckon. Go with us. NBA 75th anniversary team. We made the top 75 players of all time in the NBA, which is quite an accolade Massive. to do. Massive. Thousands of players over the years. Retired number 41 in Dallas. His number can no longer be used by the Dallas Mavericks. German Bundesliga MVP 1999. German Bundesliga top scorer 1999. FIBA World Cup MVP 2002. FIBA Eurobasket MVP 2005. It's a massive list, and this is only half of his achievement. If you are taking a list there and taking hold of what we've put down, the accolades are endless for him. Dylan Boucher's toughest opponent he's ever come across. What are your thoughts, Phil, on our main man, Dirk? Yeah, man, a couple of initial thoughts. Probably one of the most iconic shots, that low post fadeaway, one-legged fadeaway. That was the move that Dylan Boucher was referring to. Yeah, when you're seven foot, you shoot from above your head and absolutely impossible to stop, especially when it's as accurate as it is. I guess it looked a little bit clunky because he was long and big, but it was effective. A really unguardable way in those un- circumstances. Yeah, absolutely unguardable. One of those, a similar frame to KG, really, that really just soaking wet, barely 90 kilos type thing for a, for a seven-footer, which is quite skinny. But that didn't stop him from being effective. It wasn't known for being a defensive player, but he didn't need to be. That wasn't his role. He was the greatest Maverick of all time. And in the last 20, 30 years, probably the most deserving championship in 2011. It's probably one of my favorite championships for a player that has been won. Yeah, it's one of those careers where you try and wrap it up nicely in a bow, eh? And that was the bow on top of that. 100%. And over his whole career as well, he is the only player currently to have 30,000 points, 10,000 rebounds, 3,000 assists, 1,200 steals, 1,200 blocks, and 1,500 3.3 goal, or 3.0 goal. Quite a, a career, averaging 20.7 over 1,522 games. Pretty darn impressive. That's epic. And, yeah, and then his playoff career, he played 145 games, averaging 25.3. I'd back that. That would be, if you could think about how your career could look at the end of it, that's up there, right? You're going, 
that's what I'd like. Gold standard. That's what you want in a star player as well. One that scores more in the playoffs. They rise to the occasion rather than shrinking away. And that's, yeah, as you reflected in those stats, that step up. The thing I also like about that championship that he won, about that team in general, because they weren't full of stars and they beat a team full of stars. That was the first finals appearance for LeBron James and that heat. I'm taking my talents to South Beach team. But the thing I really enjoyed about that game, it was a redeem game. It was a redemption game. The Dallas Mavericks lost to the Miami Heat in 2006. Obviously completely different team, but I just thought it was neat that it can only happen in the NBA where it just happens that the same two teams face each other sort of five, six years apart and they take turns winning. It would have felt, it would have felt quite nice for Dirk to get a bit of redemption against a team that he last made it to the finals in and he was able to, he was able to get the chip this time. Yeah, because he's got a few interesting stories. Like I was watching a podcast on YouTube the other day with him in it and he talks about he almost took his talents to another club. And he sat down with Mark Cuban on his couch and ended up talking through and he decided, nah, I want to sit in my career as a maverick. And you just don't hear players now being superstars and bona fide stars going through and starting their career at one club and finishing and not ring chasing. That's one of the best things I found about Dirk. Really appreciate loyalty. I like a one club person. And I think, I hope Steph does that too. I hope he doesn't walk away. I hope he stays a warrior for life. Same with Luca. Sorry, so sorry. I'll just disagree with you just for one reason, James, not, not to create some conflict. I want to see him play as a Hornet again. I know I'm a Hornet fan, but he grew up in Charlotte. He went to the D- Davidson University. His dad is the color commentator for the Hornets. His dad played for the Hornets. I just feel like it would be a wonderful way to end his career playing for his hometown. I think a lot of people want to do that, but I do get your sentiment. This, there is something about being a, a one-club guy that is really appealing. And especially in this day and age with how much money there is available with salary caps and the amount of talent that's around, you have to commend Dirk as well. He obviously made a truckload of money in his time, but he took pay cuts. I know it sounds silly earning $20 million a year and that being a pay cut, well, $30 million and that's a pay cut when it could have been 40 or 50. But yeah, that's that speaks to his character and it speaks to his relationship, I think, that he had with Mark Cuban as well. Yeah, and I think he's... Done a lot post, doesn't he? Like he, he used to go back to Germany during the off season. I've seen his training videos showing the t- way young guy, young bloke. And he just used to train shooting off balance. His coach would push him. I think his coach over there is his manager as well. Because there's a couple other like little stories like that. They had a unique relationship. I can't remember the chap's name. We'll have to find it and do a special pop perhaps on this coach down the line. But being able to be that tall and be able to shoot off balance is a remarkable thing about his work ethic. Find there that Dirk did make sure there during his career that he did learn while he, and evolve while he went on in his career. It's come to me, James. Holger Geschwinder. Geschwinder oh, okay. is the longtime coach and mentor of Dirk. It'd be pretty cool, eh, just to have that on the resume. Who did you coach? Oh, just this guy, Dirk. Just the one-off generational talent that I had. That's our first quarter. First quarter done, dusted. On to the next one. Let's have another one. Next subject we have the, on our quarter list, the Orlando Magic. One of my favorite teams just because, we're, and we keep referring to our main man, Shaq, over the years. Founded in 1980, they've been the Orlando Magic since 1989 till current. Their 
based in Orlando, Florida, in the Florida Keys. Flo Rider. Rider, yeah. On the rapper, but the team. They are sponsored by Disney. That's one of the big things there that I've seen in the last few years. That Imagine having that end of your season, I'm going to Disneyland. That'd be pretty, mm-hmm. pretty legit. Have never won an NBA title. And I think there they did miss a couple opportunities, particularly... Shaquille O'Neal's admitted that he might have been a bit young and I thought that was quite a cool admission to hear from him because as you get older you do get better in the NBA and I think they talk about the 26 club AFL or the 27 club when you hit that age that's when you're nearing your peak of your powers in basketball. They won two conference titles 1995 and 2009. We'll go through and talk to some of these players shortly. Division titles 95, 96, 2008, 2009, 2010, 2019. They've got one retired number, and that is the number six. I'll find out why that is very shortly. Uh, We'll go through some notable times with the magic. Firstly, I am going to start before Shaq. Nick Anderson. Nick Anderson was a, I would say, I'm going to say a choker, to put it lightly. When he made 1995 NBA Finals, they played Hacker Nick instead of Hacker Shaq. And Nick Anderson choked big time. I think missing a total of 17 free throws or something like that in the game. And he's taken the blame for that. And a couple documentaries with with Nick. I don't have a nickname for him. I'll just call him No Nickname Anderson. He was that forgettable in the end. But good player. He had good players around him. Then Horace Grant came from the Bulls. And Shaq and Penny arrived. And then all of a sudden they had a potential championship title contender. They beat the Bulls, got through, made fun of Michael Jordan for wearing the number four, and they ended up making the NBA Finals when Michael Jordan had just returned for half a season. And then they got to the final and came up against Hakeem, the dream Elijah one, and got smoked. Yep, 4-0. They're easily in and out, but I think they played their final against the Bulls beforehand. That was the consensus, I think, and they did get a little bit beat up. They were a bit young and unfortunately didn't learn their lesson. Yeah, no, they but, didn't. Uh, you know, the one one extra player I'll throw in there, Dennis Scott. He was drafted that pre Shaq number four. Then I actually never knew the magic of the reason I like basketball more specifically. Shaq, we've discussed this before. Big had lots of I had lots of Magic merchandise as a wee kid, as we've touched on before. There was Hornets, there was Magic, and there were Bulls. They seemed to be the three yeah. teams at Farmers as a as kids department store that you could get but they had they selected Shaq and Penny back to back number one yeah that's yeah. awesome lucky very very lucky they were both I was about to say generational I wouldn't probably necessarily say Penny was generational I think he was robbed it's a real shame oh, Anthony Hardaway is he was nicknamed Penny by his nana his grandma real shame actually I feel like there's a we've got a pod about players who whose career was were cut short because of injuries Grant Hill being mm. another one he was a Magic player later on in his career. And of course, T-Mac, he got traded from the Raptors to the Magic. Yeah. But explosive, next level. Incredible scorer. He was really was amazing. Really was amazing. Didn't last that long in the team. I think there was a bit of discontent and ended up getting shipped off to the Rockets where with a couple of other players were in large part the Magic got back Steve Francis or as he was called, Steve Franchise. Steve the franchise Francis, he was nowhere near as good as McGrady, but I think that was sounds like it was the closest thing that they could get in terms of value. Yeah, I wonder if that story's ever been told about what happened with T-Mac. Anyway, we'll go into what's happening currently because that's a, a big deal at the moment. 
And we will touch on the magic part too, because Dwight Howard has his own section about what's happened. At the moment, Paolo Banchero. Now, he is good. I really Paolo. Yeah, I agree with you, James. I was I followed him in this college playing. He was played for Duke or Duke. I guess it depends what part of the world you come from. One of the things that was really fascinating, and it was going to be really interesting to see how that translated to the NBA, is that he used to sweat much during college games. He would lose multiple kilos of liquid and would have to get halftime and end-of-game like fluid injections because he would just sweat that much liquid. So they were like, how's this going to translate to the NBA? Haven't heard any stories since. And he seems to be absolutely bawling. I'm not sure if that's resulted in anything, but I thought that was just an interesting little side note. That's cool. Yeah, because he looks like he's filled out. I think that happens with younger guys too, eh? when your your body's quite slight and then all of a sudden you get, and I've used this term a few times, that man strength. When your, your body fills out, you start getting a little bit more muscles around the middle and the shoulders start to fill out. And then all of a sudden you're not losing fluid as much as you used to. You can't have the two pies or and a can of Coke because it stays with you for a couple of days. But he's creating a really interesting combination with Franz Wagner or Franz Wagner, depending again on what part of the world you're from. <laughs> Jalen Suggs, I think he's probably might have the opportunity to get traded. I think they need to trade up to become successful. And I think there's a couple key pieces in this team that you could get rid of to make sure they surround Polo with talent. Yeah, and I think Jalen is one of those guys that could probably fall into that category because he's he. I think he still has enough upside where they can get lots of value. But when you look at the rest of the roster, the, the talent sits with Paolo and it sits with Franz and you need to find someone that complements them. I think Jalen has a bit of a pr- propensity to jack shots. Is that someone that you need to help bring the best out in Paolo or Franz? Or do you need to have that really good ball distributor? Thinking of the Jameer Nelsons of the world with that Dwight Howard era. A lot of teams aren't talking about, they're talking about Zach Levine, where his destiny to be, right? And when you look at players like Joe Ingalls, Jalen Sugg, Anthony Black, and you could go Cole Anthony as well, if you want to put good talent around Paulo, maybe do you chase Zach Levine or do you chase DeMar DeRozan? Those two guys there could make or break their magic if they get them. I'm just about to have a, a rebuttal to you there, James. I guess it'll have to wait for, for episode two. Yeah, we will talk the magic part two. Next quarter there that we are flying into, we're really going through it today. Players we can't quit, old school. But I had a long list, Matt. I have gone through players of the 90s there that I thought were average and might have had one or two good seasons. And then all of a sudden just fell off the face of the earth and then never show, seen the light of day again in the NBA. I'm going to start with the first one there who might be a little bit controversial, depending on how you look at it. For me, BJ Armstrong, I was always hopeful that he was going to do better than what he did. And he was okay at the Bulls and had 10 points a game, three or four assists, goes to the Hornet, 12 points a game, six assists, starting to get better, and he just never kicked on. And... He was one player there that I was always hopeful he was going to get better. And I kept all his cards. I've got nine BJ Armstrong cards <laughs> because of the hope that I thought he was going to be good. And he never was. Who have you got, brother? Yeah. Now, I hear you on the potential side of things. You, you really do hope that they live up to it. But for whatever reason, they, I'll go a little bit more recent. Chris Bosch, a little bit of a different one. He falls in line with the Tracy McGrady's, Vince Carter and 
Chris Bosch, these players that were drafted by the Raptors during that period where the Raptors probably had one of the best uniforms in, in, in the NBA, that white uniform with that caricaturized oh, T-Rex. Or, oh, that sweet Velociraptor, bro. It really was. That. It's uh, like it lives with the dunk contest, I think. Vince Carter doing all of those incredible dunks. But Chris Bosch, he ended up at the Heat, and it was really interesting early on watching him because he had to go from being the man to being essentially third fiddle. It was really interesting watching him find his place. And the, all of the media narratives at the time were, of course, negative, as you can imagine. But he ended up being part of one of the biggest plays in recent memory, securing the offensive rebound past to Raylan in the corner to hit the three to save the heat as they were wheeling out the trophy on the side of the arena to give it to Spurs. Side of the arena to give it to the Spurs and rail and save the day but and then of course the reason i can't quit him his career ended really early relatively yeah. speaking that awful i think it was blood clots again i think it's either blood clots in the lung or an arrhythmia in the heart i can't yeah, remember yeah, it, was, was, yeah. it was him or lamarcus aldridge because they meshed together i think they actually had the same thing mm. of memory and yeah, i think i think young. he tried coming back lamarcus was successful for a season or so but yeah. Chris Bosch, it sounds whether or not teams didn't want to take the punt or not. I also liked him because he was just a bit of a goober. I liked how goofy he was, didn't take himself too seriously. I appreciated that with Bosch. Next one there that I had, mate, Josh Howard, Dallas Maverick. Went through a few different teams towards the end. Started with Dallas, though. Really good shot blocker, really good rebounder. Only ever got to 10 points a game. Had one good season where he averaged 13.5, and I was really hoping that all of a sudden I'm like, here we go. He's 10 and 10. Is he going to get to be a 20 and 20? 2010 player, outstanding dunker, but not much else. Good and good shot blocker, great defender. I like a good big, but in the end, his career tailed off. I was really dark on that. Still am dark. You just you triggered someone. They're going to leapfrog in my list. Andrew Bynum. For those that remember, he was this beast of a guy. He was like Shaq reincarnate at the Lakers. He won rings. He was going to be the next best thing. Then all of a sudden, he was included in this. Absolutely NBA shattering trade that resulted in the Magic sending Howard to the Lakers and Bynum to the Sixers and and then Vucevic to the Magic. There was just so many moving pieces in this massive trade. And I recall there was a bowling alley incident. I think that might have been a re-injury rather than that injury, but his knees just got cooked. And whether or not he got his paycheck and wasn't motivated to get back, I think he tried in vain, and his career just ended up really finishing really short. He was quite dominant there for a period. Yeah, I remember reading about his medical that he did when he went from the Lakers to his new club, and they reckon he had no cartilage in his Yeah, Yeah, the Lakers just played and played him, and I was like, man, the health of the player sometimes, eh, just doesn't come into effect. Next player I had, mate, and it's a deep cut, Aaron Brooks. Oh. Aaron, yeah, he had a really good career another player i've got a few of these 10 pointer game players and i just see them i'm like man there's much potential there that's untapped had one good season where he averaged 19.5 for the rockets and just as he got to that point averaging 10 assists that season then all of a sudden fell off the face of the earth never to be seen again but had a good 10-year career in the nba was solid overall but Nothing notable. One of those players, he came in the era of the big man with a good speedy point guard. And that's what really let him down in the end with he was just too small and the NBA wasn't suitable for his talents. 
Yeah, my next one is Monte Ellis. Briefly touched on him before as part of that Warriors team. I used to listen to a podcast a few years ago and they used to have sound bites. And one of the things they used to clip was Monte Ellis. You know, a player is a certain type of player when they speak of themselves in third person. Yeah. Monte Ellis have it all. I have just got this sketched into my head. He was a, a three point jacker. He was a part of that Warriors team pre becoming really good that just didn't play defense, but would score stupid amounts of points. Live by the three, die by the three. He was that really short, super quick, quite flashy, full hoggy type player, but he was fun. And yeah. then he ended up getting traded to the Bucks. was part of a bit of a rebuild there. And then touching on with that was another guy, Brandon Jennings. They formed this dangerous little duo. Last player there that I had as part of my little roundup, because we are getting down to the last 10 seconds, Gary Payton, the glove. I really like the glove. Never ended up winning an NBA title. Felt there he was just on the wrong team at the right time, if that makes sense, or the right time, wrong team. We can take about it whatever way we do. Payton ended up having a great combination with Sean Kemp, another player. God damn it, Phil. Every time we just started on things, bro, we get to the end. Get robbed. Yeah, gutted. Dark. Next quarter, expansion. It's going to happen, right? It's going to happen. It has we to know. happen, Jimmy. It has to happen. What team would you like to see? I, for one, I want to see the Seattle Supersonics back. I'm in 100% agreement. They have one of the coolest logos. It's just that their skyline, <laughs> to speak, but I love the color scheme. It's Maybe it's the nostalgia of it. You just spoke of Gary Payton, the Sean Kemp, Ray Allen was there pre-Celtics. There's just, there was something about that team. I think the West, the Northwest is needs to have that other team with up there with the Blazers. There's just something about the Supersonics, whatever, whatever that is. I just think they need to be in the NBA. Why did they call them that? I know there's a doco about how they lost the franchise, about how the guy from Starbucks bought it and they sold it for something like a billion dollars. And then all of a sudden, I'm going to take this off to Oklahoma. We're going to put the franchise in here because the arena was better. The local Seattle mayor or whoever it was, Seattle government, governor i don't know how it all works there the arena that they had they didn't upgrade and that was one of the main reasons why they lost the franchise hopefully now they've got an updated arena because they was cool and they had passionate fans too didn't they that was the thing i remember the most about them little arena i think it might have been 11 12 000 people and they were just really close to the action yelling and screaming they brought in a, a great draft pick with kevin durant that once in a generation talent and then they had all the picks from OKs and I must I must seeing them in the NBA I used to have a little a wallet that was Seattle Supersonic wallet and that was my <laughs> pride and joy for a while being a kid and all but the next one I have on there is Montreal has been put up in Canada I don't know about Montreal I, I don't know I know there they've got a couple I think they've got a baseball team and a NHL team but whether there's a market for it it's been proven before that one team was is enough for Canada with Toronto, Vancouver failed. What do you reckon? Yeah, I, I, I tend to agree with you, James. I, I don't know if expansion into into uh, Canada is would be the best move, at least for the first expansion team, or even if they do two. I still don't think they're, Canada would be a top two destination. They, as you mentioned, Vancouver didn't work out whether or not that was for whatever other reason. I know that with Toronto, it's essentially right on that American border. If we go too deep into Canada, does that make during 
being that MBAs played in the winter, does that create infrastructure logistical challenges? And I think Canada are there. hockey mad, eh? They just, they love their hockey. Do they? They, they like to hear what it's all about. Yeah, no boot. Although we can't take, we can't mock the Canadians too much because the Kiwis are probably like Canadians, Americans like Australian. That's so, that whole yeah. big brother, little brother type relationship. Yeah, we say dick wrong, so the Aussies will give us hoops about that. Right, bless too. If we do, <laughs> Kiwis do have a pretty feral accent. Yeah. Next one there, I had Mexico City. They already have a G League franchise, getting really big crowds. Whether or not though, that's that could be a destination in terms of being a tax haven or like a good when you look at bang for buck. Because one American dollar probably equals a million Mexican dollars. Sorry to probably. Mexican fans. I believe is the C C. But like if you think about like one one American dollars worth is worth like a million dollars of ours. Yeah. Uh, hey, who are we? Who are we to talk? But exactly. interesting. It could be interesting there. I think a supporter base could be quite good. But like imagine having a whole country behind you in that Ex- franchise. Exactly. I know that the NFL take games there. I think the NBA have also taken some potentially. Spurs and or Mavericks games over there. I think that's probably a good way of introducing the game more regularly into that space, testing out the long longevity of it. I know that if a game is only played there every now and then, you're always going to sell out. They're always going to be hype. But when it becomes an 82-game season, is it still going to have the same people there three times a week? Are they? Is It's a money-making business as well, right? Is the NBA going to make all of their money back? How does that work? But it's not a bad shout, James. I hadn't really given Mexico City much thought, but that's not a bad shout. Yeah, I was just thinking, I reckon they would get the fans through the doors and that would be a regular thing there. I think, yeah. But then you look at Vegas. Vegas is the one there that everyone's talking about and everyone's, yeah, we need to have Vegas going. But I've got an alternative point of view here, Phil. I'm going to be a deep cut here. I think the fan base is going to be too transient. I'd always wondered about that, actually, James, but more from the point of view that you've got the Oakland Raiders moved to Vegas. You've got, you've actually got the Oakland A's, I believe, are going to be moving there too. You'll have, potentially have to do some fact-checking, but I know that there's been discussions. We also have the Las Vegas Golden Knights from the hockey team. They're, they they're, won. They won... Like the first year, the first year in, of their franchise, they won the whole thing. It's incredible. The thing with Vegas is it's such a tourist destination. You're always going to have a massive amounts of population streaming through. Whether or not you're going to have the same fans, I think the the challenge being keeping me. The, the challenge will be keeping fans, right? That'll yeah, be- I'm not sure how much home ground advantage there will be. I know the Vikings played Las Vegas. In Las Vegas this year, this season, and I was watching. I wasn't really. I was listening. I wasn't paying attention. And the Vikings would do something, and the, there was massive roar in the crowd. And I'm like, oh, they must be playing in Minnesota. No, they were playing in, in Las Vegas. I, I look over. I see the. I'm not sure how much <laughs> how the loyal fan base side of things will go when you've got. It's a destination city. People go there for their stag yeah. They go there for conferences. They go there for a whole multitude of reasons. From the Making money, tick box, absolutely huge giant tick from a fan perspective, loyalty perspective. And that's us, mate. Easy. Wow. How about that? Yep. Again, we've just flown through, no trouble at all. And then we're on to our next ideas for later. I think we could probably become co 
co-GMs or co-commissioners of the NBA, mate. We're solving all the problems. Oh, we could. Just give us an hour, we'll solve the problems. Discount. We'll give them a massive discount too. Thanks for all our fans for listening once again. We'll see you all later next time and have a good break. If you enjoyed this podcast, remember to give us a follow and rate our show. We welcome your comments and feedbacks for our podcast on our Instagram page, where's underscore my underscore sports underscore at underscore podcast. You can now also enjoy our podcast on YouTube. Cheers. Thank you for listening to the Basketball Edition podcast. Please make sure to follow us on our socials, basketball underscore edition underscore WMSA. And if you are wanting to have a chat with us, please send us a message and we'll get back in touch with you. Make sure to follow us on Apple, iHeart, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and YouTube, all good podcasting streaming channels. Thank you.